This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Let's turn in our Bibles today to Matthew 25, and we'll get started here in just a second. We are in week four of a series that we have called Once Upon a Time. And what we're discussing in this series is that we are going through the Gospels, and we are um, teaching on a few of the parables that Jesus taught from. And if, depending on how you're counting, there's anywhere between 28 to 61 uh, parables. And what the style of teaching was that Jesus was using, that he was telling a story using a, a metaphor, an analogy of some kind, to try to get across to us a spiritual lesson. And this is something that we use and do and are interested all the time, whether or not you like to read fiction. Um, generally speaking, most people like to watch movies. Or you, if you have children, you know you are telling your children bedtime stories or you're telling your children a story from your childhood. And generally speaking, you are teaching these things or you're telling these stories so that somebody can learn a lesson. If we watch a movie or we watch a story or you tell your children a story, you, you want to... Um, be, you want to, you want to be the hero in the story. You don't want to be the bad guy in the story. And then if you tell your children a story about something you did well or a mistake that you made, you're telling that story so they're either following your footsteps or they'll avoid the mistakes that you made. So this is a style of teaching that we're used to. And it's something that Jesus, once again, just used over and over again, just this idea. And he would just tell a story. And it wasn't necessarily a story of actual people. Um, but he would use examples in and around the time of where he lived and grew up. And so sometimes some of those things need translating into our modern culture. Uh, but there's great and profound truths that we can see as we go through these parables. So we're going to look at one today that teaches, or actually going to look at two that teach a very similar thing. But as we go through the parables, like I said, we can learn about the revelation of God, that we can learn about exemplary behavior, we can learn about wisdom. We can learn about life before God. We can learn about final judgment. There's an element of that to what we're talking about today. Human conduct and practical application of that human conduct. And in a little bit today, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. So the first week we taught, and if you've missed any of these messages, you can go back and catch up online uh, through the podcast or through um, our church app. First week we talked a little bit about Jesus actually told us why he taught in parables. So we talked about that, and then we talked about uh, the parable that he referred to, the, the mustard seed, a very small seed that could produce big results, and that's what we discussed uh, the first week. And then we talked about the second week, the joy of repentance. And generally speaking, we don't have joy and repentance in the same sex, uh, sentence, um, but we discussed that the second week. And then last week, we talked about persisting in prayer, that God doesn't want us to give up in life. He doesn't want us to lose heart. But he always wants us to persist, and specifically in the idea of prayer. So today we're going to be talking about something as it relates to talents or calling uh, that you would have in your life. Specific endowments or gifts that God has given to you that are just there automatically. And then God has something to say about those gifts and talents and how they would operate in your life. Now, as many of you know, you know, I have two daughters, two teenage daughters, and I, I love to give examples, um, especially when they're in service. They love for me to talk about them. So, you know, as, as I always say that in the kingdom of my wife and I, 
which is our house, that our children actually get their own domain. It's called their room. But really their room is not their room. It's just a corner of our domain. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we say this is their room, but then we also have standards for how they operate in their room. And, you know, if the room is in a certain state of disarray, my wife, who is now the shortest person in our house, has two teenage daughters that are either equal in stature or taller than her. She just gets right up in their face. And partly because she's American, it's a little bit scary sometimes. (laughs) She gets up in their face. Why? Because her domain, she wants us to look, wants it to look, and, and she wants the girls to act a certain way within this context of this gift that's been given to them called their room. So if we, you know, if the room is in a certain state, sometimes she will stand in the middle of their mini domain and she will call their names so that they will come to their room. And then she will say something about the area in which we have given them authority over. And it's the same way with the gifts and talents that God has given to us. This parable that we're going to look at um, comments to us about that God has blessed us, has given us abilities, natural abilities. But then God actually has something to say about how we operate in his kingdom with those gifts and talents. And then um, as we have the gifts and talents that God has given to us, how he wants the kingdom of God to move through us to other people. Because they're his, he has something to say about it. So we're going to find this parable in two different locations. But let's start reading here in Matthew chapter 25. Verse 14. Now, the context of this, Jesus had previously been talking about the kingdom of God, but then he had been talking about this certain day in the kingdom of God, sort of the final day or the day of judgment or the day where you would stand before God and you would be accountable for how you lived your life and what you did specifically with the gifts and talents that he gave you. So let's read about it here in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It says this, for it will be like a man, it He's talking about the kingdom of God. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So what has God given to us? He's given us a measure of his property. It's not ours. It's his. And and we're, like we say from the scripture, we're managers or we're stewards of what God has given to us. So it's not actually ours. It's a portion of his grace and his ability. Verse 15, it says, to one, he gave five talents. Now this word talent um, refers to a portion of money. And this portion of money that is five talents um, is calculated as a hundred years wages. So this this an exorbitant uh, measure of blessing. Now when we, in this time that Jesus was speaking, the word talent was strictly used as a sum of money. But we use the word talent today for uh, to encompass all of the things that people are good at like we know we there's the tv show america's got talent and so you know people go on there and they have different um, talents and they do different things and it's all these different expressions of things that they're naturally good at now the word talent that we use today the the word entomology is actually from the scripture So in about the 14th century, this word talent became um, more of an all-encompassing phrase as it relates to what we are naturally good at, not just money. So when we use the word talent, it actually comes from the scripture. So I would say, you know, America's got talent, owes God some royalties uh, for the use of that word. And so, but this is what we need to understand about talents. Here he's using it as an example um, of money 
But he's not just talking about money. And then he's talking about things that are his that he's given to other people. So he gave five talents or a hundred years wages to another two, to another one. um, and, And two talents is about 40 years wages. And to another one. So he's got five talents, two talents, and one talents. He's given to different people. And he says, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Verse 16. Who, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground. And hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also He also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. That just means lazy. You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's turn over to Luke 19. We can see um, the same parable found in Luke 19. And it's um, given a little bit different context. And Jesus uses different examples and different monetary values. But the principles are all the same. Luke 19, we're just going to read a part of it. It says that they heard these sayings. He proceeded to tell them a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. Because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. And you can read the rest of the parable this afternoon, but it's virtually the same idea. But Jesus is just preaching it in two different places, so he uses two different examples. But the context is a little bit different. The first one is talking about, like I said, judgment day or the end of your life that we're actually going to stand before God and God is going to talk to us about the abilities and endowments and and the things that we're naturally good at. And he's going to ask us to give an account with what we did with those things. And then the other context, he's talking about to certain people and it said, because they supposed the kingdom of God was coming soon. In other words, Jesus, the Messiah is there So Jesus is going to set up the kingdom of God here on the earth. And then it's just going to be super easy for me. So I don't actually have to do anything. I don't actually have to try because the kingdom of God is here. Here's the Messiah. 
But in that same context, Jesus gives the parable to tell them they actually need to do something with what they've been given. Now, depending on what type of church that you grew up in, you know, uh, we're, we're trusting for Jesus' return one day. But some people, you know, grew up in church and they were like, Jesus was coming back tomorrow. And so many different people within the context of that type of church, you know, they never had time uh, to go to university. That Well, Jesus is coming back. There's no point in me going to university. And then you had a bunch of other Christian kids who were like, okay, Jesus is coming back. I need to get married tomorrow because I need to have sex before Jesus comes. This is the way Christian kids thought in the context of church. But no, Jesus is saying, uh, no, no, don't think in those terms. You need to think about being useful or using the gifts and talents that you have um, to, to produce something. God is actually holding you accountable like we hold our children accountable for their rooms. God is actually holding us accountable with the gifts and talents that he has given to us. Now, sometimes... You know, people might not know exactly what their gifts and talents are. Like, I'm not exactly sure what I'm good at. But it's just kind of a natural aptitude. Things that are automatically you are good at in your life. What we're realizing and understanding is that God has given us those things. They, the scripture says, they're his. They just happen to show up in our lives. We didn't self-manifest those. There is just an, an automatic reason that actually is from God, that we're good at certain things. You know that you have certain gifts and talents. And they're different. And if you have children, if you have more than one child, you see this in your children, that your children are not good at all the same things. Well, how did this happen? Well, God has gifted people differently. But it's not just that he has gifted us differently. He actually has an expectation as it relates to what we do. So we see these two major themes here. In these parables, this idea that I have an inclination, that I actually have a disposition, I have a natural ability that God has given to me. Once again, I can see this in my daughters and I can see this, you know, in my wife, what's what I say. And I think my wife says it's great about our marriage that we're actually good at two very different things that we look at life through completely different lenses. And she has all of these amazing gifts that I don't actually have. Like I mentioned before, you know, she has a, a talent, um, you know, with colors and, and decorating and all of these things. And I really don't. And partly I don't actually care. So which, which is good, which is a good mix. But I, I'm good at other things. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll give Lex the qualifiers here. I'm not saying my wife is bad at math. But I'm better at math. <laughs> and she is. So I'm just saying. And so the person in your home that's good at math, they should do the bills. The person, the decorator should not be doing the bills. I'm just saying. But we have all of these natural gifts and talents uh, that God has given to us. And sometimes we might have a difficulty recognizing what those things are. You know, uh, American Idol is back on TV. And, you know, what happens in American Idol is people go and they audition. And then they, you know, some people show up at the audition. And the only person that's ever heard them sing is their mom. And what is their mom's like, oh, baby, your voice is so beautiful. And it's not actually that beautiful. And they show up in front of the celebrity judges and they sing a song with all their heart, thinking that they are amazing. And they're like, no, this is not your gift. This is not your thing. And so we don't want to get caught up in life doing something that we aren't actually gifted at. 
But if you slow down and you pause and you think about the things that you're good at, that you're naturally inclined to do, God has given you those things. They're his and he's given them to you. So when we think about the talents and gifts um, that we have, where are we going to use these things? Well, we're going to use these things in the first place is in our homes. We are going to use them uh, to produce order and, and to, to produce beauty in our homes. And people will have different gifts and talents as it relates to that. Parents, you have children. And so if you have children, God has gifted you to be a parent. And one of the things that we think about as parents is that we are helping our children grow in the areas in which they are already good at. God has gifted them certain ways. So ultimately, we should never tell our children, you can just be whatever you want to be. No, a better statement is, I want you to be who God has created you to be. Because your kids actually can't do everything. There's certain things that they're really good at. And those are the things that God has gifted them to use in the different ways that that can show up in their lives. So we want, um, that's what we want for our children. And so how do we think about developing our children when we're in our children? Um, go to start walking. What do we do? You know, one parent's on one side and one parent's on the other side. And, you know, they've, they've, they've started a little bit and they're standing up and they're doing different things. They're showing signs of progressing. And so what do we do? We stand a little bit further away from them. Why? Because we want them to use the abilities that God has given them so that they can step towards us. So my wife will be there. I don't stand right against there. No, you stand back a little bit so that they have room to grow that we recognize that God has given this ability to them. And it's the same way with aptitudes and talents. God has entrusted you. We had a family with three children, three lovely children on the stage. And just like all of us that have children, God has given us parents. He's given us children. So the gifts and talents that, that we see in our children, those are the ways that we want to move our children towards. They're good at this. Here, babe, I need you to do this. I'm going to put something out in front of you that I see that's in you, but I'm going to put it out a little bit in front of you so that you can learn to grow into that. You know, uh, my wife, a little bit upset at me sometimes um, when, the, when the girls were growing up and they were young, I would never let them win at games. Never. I was always going to win. I was always going to try my hardest. Why? Because there was always something... I don't know, maybe it was partly this, maybe I just wanted to win. But partly, it was a parenting thing where I actually wanted them to see that there was room for them to grow. That there's actually a different knowledge for you to attain. And this is what we're doing with our children. We're helping them stretch and grow in the areas that God has gifted them. We can use these at home and we can use them at work. Let me tell you what you do at work. One of the things that you're doing at work is that you're solving problems and you're solving problems with the gifts that God has given you. Whether you're providing a service or a product for somebody, you're providing a service or a product to make your customer's life better. And God wants you to use your gifts to make someone else's life better. That's what you're doing at work. Unless somehow the job that you work at is trying to make people's lives worse. But I'm not sure that that company exists because it wouldn't have very many customers. But that's what you're doing. You provide a service or a product and what are you doing? You're going to make someone else's life better. And this is why, one of the reasons why God has gifted you for that purpose, for that reason. So we can use it at home. We can use it on the job. 
And then God has an expectation, as we see in the story of the parables, that God expects us to actually produce more than just what we are, just these natural gifts and inclinations that we have. God actually wants us to add competence to our calling. I have a calling, I have a certain talent, and then God actually wants me to add competence, not just, not just the five that he gave me. He wants another five. He wants more than just what's there. So I have a calling, I have aptitudes, I have abilities, and then God's expectation and what God is going to ask us for and what God is going to think about us right now, he doesn't just want us to say the same. He wants us to add competence to our calling. This works at home. This works on the job. And this makes life exciting. And the other part of it that we see is the responsibility side. God has given us gifts. He has an expectation for them to grow. And then he's making us responsible for what he's put in our lives. They are his. They are his gifts. And we're just going to be good stewards of what God has given to me. Now we see these measurements that Jesus said, well, there's, there's a person with five and then there's someone else with two. In other words, people are gifted differently. And I'm not in competition with somebody else and their gifts. The only competition that, that I'm experiencing in my life is competing against my own potential. What is the potential that you have in your life? What is it that you see that you can accomplish with the gifts that God has given you? Not somebody else, not somebody's account that you follow on Instagram and, oh, I wish I had this and I wish I could do that. God's not going to judge you based on what he gave somebody else. He's going to judge you based on what he gave you. He gave you this. What is that? Can you tell me what it is? Do you know what you're good at? Those are the areas that God is wanting you to add competence to. Not just a calling, not just the five. He wants five more. He wants you to increase it. He wants it to grow in your life, not just stay the same. And then he's made us responsible for this idea. But he's not judging us based on someone else. If we're, if we're a two or we're a five or whatever the case may be or whatever God has given us, that's what we need to see. What is the potential on the inside of me? What is the potential in my children? What can I see in my children? So I'm going to challenge them. I'm going to stand a little bit back. And this is just a metaphor for every area of life. I wanted them to walk, so we stood back a little bit. And then there's other areas, like their room. What We wanted to stand back a little bit. And, you know, back in the day when they were toddlers, you know, my wife would go in and clean the room, or I would go in and clean the room, rarely, mostly my wife. But nowadays, what do we do? We stand in the room, and we call their name, and we we call them, we say, hey, come clean this up. Why? Because we want them to grow up. It's great that, you know, your your children, that they can grab a spoon one day. It's a beautiful day for those of you that have babies. When, When you don't have to feed them anymore, you can give them a spoon, and it's a mess the first day, but it's awesome. But you just don't want them to stay with the spoon. You want them eventually to be able to use a knife and a fork. And then eventually you want to be able to give them a knife and a steak knife. A steak knife and a fork without them cutting themselves. Right? And so what do we do? We keep challenging them. We keep putting stuff in front of them that is beyond them. But then we cause them, because of that, to grow. This is what the gift of parenting 
is all about. But then what about us? What is our potential? might be easier to see in our children. But what is my potential? If I have been given five or if I've been given two talents from God, whatever the case may be, do I believe that I have potential? Because God has actually made us responsible for our potential. He's given us gifts. Here, I'm giving you this. I want you to actually do something. And then in the Luke, hey, I just want you to go do business. I love that phrase. Go do something with what you have and that will cause it to grow. Challenge yourself. You know, this is obviously what I do. I, I'm, I'm a preacher. So what I do in my life is a lot of times I will go and try to find a preacher who is, has more talents than I do. Why? Because I want to challenge myself to grow. And so I see a speaker that, you know, is better at communicating something or understands a, a biblical idea better than I do or connects better with the group that they're preaching to. I actually want to go and challenge myself so that I can get better. I'd be like, oh, no, there's too much. I can't look at it. No, it causes you to grow. Because we don't just want to stay the same. Ultimately, in our heart of hearts, we don't want to stay the same. Nobody ever said when they got up in the morning, I'm going for fifth place. I'm just hoping to achieve mediocrity today. No, see, what we need to do is we need to adopt the attitude that God has for us, which we see in this parable. God has an expectation. I gave you five, five more, well done. I gave you two, two more, well done. That's the expectation we need to adopt for ourselves. Stop making excuses for ourselves. Stop making rationalizations why we don't do things and why we don't achieve our potential and why we aren't increasing in our gifts and talents. Yes, we're causing our children to grow. and We know we want them to stretch, but then what about us? Because I have a question for you today. If you're a five-talenter, which I expect all that you are, I mean, all of you should think that you're a five-talent person. Come on now. For all of you five-talent people out there, have you achieved the five more talents yet? The answer is no. The story is at the end, at the end on Judgment Day. That means we all have room to grow. There's something else out in front of us we have not achieved the maximum potential in our life yet. And I don't care how old you are. There's still more for you to do. There's still improvement for you to experience. God is stretching us and growing us. And then he's wanting us to be responsible for that growth. Not just staying the same. Not just satisfied with mediocrity. Not just satisfied with fifth place. In my own race. To my own potential. God has given us five and he wants, he's asking for it. Saying, hey, this, this is what I've given you. I want you to maximize who you are and who I've gifted you to be. Because none of us want to be that third person in the parable. Who's the third person? Didn't do anything with it. 
God had given them the talent or the, the master, the landowner had given them the talent. And what did they do? So they were just afraid. What did they do? They, they buried it. In other words, they didn't actually do anything. They didn't do anything with their gifts. And why? Because they were afraid. I'm afraid. I was afraid in this. And, you know, and we see in the story that at the end, God seems like a very hard taskmaster. He didn't be like, oh, I understand why you're afraid. You had this bad thing happen to you in your life. And so, you know, I'll just let you off the hook. No, God still had an expectation for that person who was afraid and only had one talent. To take that talent from them and give it to the person who has ten. So we need to adopt in our hearts and our minds taking responsibility for what God has given to us. And have this high standard for ourselves. Not just think, well, I'm afraid because this and that and the other. And here's the reality. Everybody has reasons to be afraid. Everybody at some point in their life has had a hard life. We can't think, oh, my life is harder than everybody else. Therefore, I won't. Or because this has happened to me, therefore I won't do this. Or I won't stretch myself because I tried to stretch myself once and it didn't work out and I didn't get the job. All these different reasons. And so because it didn't work, I'm afraid. No, none of us want to be that person that buried their gifts and talents. That we all want to be in our heart of hearts the person that used their gifts and talents for God's glory. In other words, they're his. I'm... Because I use the gifts and talents, because you use the gifts and talents that God has given to you, what are you doing? You are giving glory to God. These aren't mine. They're his. I'm going to maximize them. I'm going to reach my potential. I'm going to reach towards my potential. Why? Because God has given me this. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to do what God has given me. John chapter 15 says this you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide this is what god wants for us this idea of fruitfulness means i'm producing something in my life and all of us can be productive all of us can be productive and this is, the way, this is the, what we need to make our goal in life, not happiness. Happiness is too thin of a goal. There's no substance to the idea of happiness. We should think about, I want to live a life of significance. God says, I've, I, I've chosen you. I want your fruit to remain. In other words, I actually want something to live past you. Think about that idea. That the gifts and talents that God has given you can actually live beyond you. This is the time that you get to live. Right now, this time, this season, 2018. God has blessed you that you can live in time. And he's given you gifts and abilities. What are we going to do with them? Are we going to be afraid? Are we going to be lazy? Are we actually going to use them? We're going to do something and we're going to, we're going to have fruitful lives. You know, we talked about Billy Graham a little while. Billy Graham, think about the fruit of Billy Graham's life. Does the fruit 
of Billy Graham's life live beyond him? Come on now. So what about you? What about me? God wants our fruit to remain. He's given us something. He's given us gifts and talents. He's given us potential. He wants us to realize that potential. And then what is the purpose of our gifts? As I've already mentioned to you, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards or managers of God's varied grace. What are we supposed to do with the gifts that we've received? You didn't self-manifest it. You received it. It's God's. What does he want you to do with it? He wants you to serve other people. I already explained to you what you're doing on your job and what we're doing in our homes. What is the purpose of my gifts and talents? What is the purpose of me maximizing what God has given to me? That other people are going to be blessed. That my fruit will remain. And it isn't actually mine. It is comes. It's, it's God's. Whatever I could produce good in my life has actually come from God. And so don't we want to maximize that? Don't we want that to be all that it can be in the army? The army of the Lord? We'll just keep going with this metaphor. Don't we want it to be everything it could be? Don't you, don't you want your life to be everything that God intended? How are we going to get there? What are we going to do? What did he say to the servant, the one that buried it? He's like, you're slothful. You're lazy. It's easy to be lazy, isn't it? Just easy to be lazy. It's kind of our de facto setting. So much more, but it's so much more exciting to be moving towards our potential. Romans chapter 12, let's just read here how this plays out in the church context. And this, we're going to read about some gifts in here. And this isn't an exhaustive, is not an exhaustive list list of gifts and talents that we see in the world today. But Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about how this functions in a church. Verse 4 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's bodies. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You have a gift for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve. if your gift is serving others, serve them well. So he's characterizing what we should do with the gift. Hey, if you've got a gift of serving, serve well. Don't serve with a half-baked attitude. Serve with diligence, serve with discipline, serve with joy. If you are a teacher, teach well. How are we going to teach well? How are we going to do something well? We're going to be diligent with what God has given us. If your gifts, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you abil- leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. 
we are responsible for what has God, what God has given to us. And what is Paul saying? We should take it seriously. That God has given us some gifts. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Last verse is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. It says this, let your eye look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. That we're going to be focused forward with what God has given to us. We're not going to get distracted because it's easy to get distracted. We're going to move forward. We're going to grow. We're going to cause ourselves to grow. And since we're all here and we're breathing and we all haven't reached our maximum potential in our lives yet, what is it that we need to think about our lives to reach that place of maximum potential, to reach that place where we actually desire for God to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. How are we going to, if we're at two and a half, if we're halfway there, or if we're at three, or if we're four, or if we're even at 0.5, reaching the maximum potential, how are we going to continue to grow in that? Is that a little bit we're going to have to release who we are right now to become the person that God wants us to be? I'm comfortable here. I'm satisfied with my 0.5. I'm satisfied with my one. No, you got to release who you are to become who God wants you to be. You have for you to maximize your potential. You can't stay here. You have to grow. You have to put something out of your reach. You have to move to something uh, that you don't know yet. That you have to get around somebody who's better than you in your area of expertise so that you can grow and you can change and you can maximize who God has made you to be. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge in your word. And God, we are so thankful for all of the gifts and talents represented in this room. God, we're so thankful for how you have gifted us. All of the things that we are naturally good at, Lord, we just thank you for those things. God, we all just pray, Lord, forgive us for those times when we're lazy. Forgive us for those times when we are not diligent with what you have given us. God, I pray for everyone in here today that you are showing them and you are giving them ideas how they can reach their maximum potential for you and that their fruit can remain beyond their lives. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.